The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Is there really a group of Russians who worship a cartoon mouse? And then we take a look at the interesting phenomenon known as sky jellyfish. Are some UFOs actually living organisms? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm feeling a lot better. A lot better. And that's the thing. I knew I just had to write it out for a day or two. Put on a ton of water weight. But I already lost five pounds of that just today because I went back onto my keto diet. And I'm doing fine without the lozenges. I just, yesterday was really rough. You know, here's a little tip. You know, it's interesting because I'm recording this day by day and it's a, it's an entertainment program, but it almost doubles as a journal. That months from now or years from now when I'm listening back to this or to people who will find the show later on, they're listening to the show, you know, years from now. They'll go, man, that guy sounded like he was really in kind of a rough bind for this past couple episodes. And when I listen back to it, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember. I didn't feel good. But history just marches on. Time just marches on. These uncomfortable days I've been going through are just going to become memories. That's one of the things that always kind of keeps me pushing along. Your bad day today will be inconsequential three, four years from now. It sucks, and your job sucks, and you had a really crummy day, and a lot of bad stuff happened. But five, six years from now, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that happening. It will just be a memory instead of the big event that it is right now. Always keeps me going. Now, this first story here is a story that was a request. I actually, when I was doing the episodes on the Sherry Shriner cult, I got a request from Is Special on YouTube. And Is Special said, hey, have you heard of the gadget cult, the gadget hack wrench cult in Russia? It's a bunch of Russian people who worship the cartoon mouse gadget from Rescue Rangers. And I said, no, I hadn't heard of it. I'll look into it. Now, I had a working knowledge of a fan base of gadget hack wrench, but we'll get to that in a second. I did look up this cult, though. It's an interesting story. Thanks for the uh, recommendation, Is Special. It's an interesting story because there isn't one. What it is, is there is a series of photos of what appear to be a bunch of people of Slavic descent, most likely Russian, I don't know, gathered around photos of Gadget Hackwrench. And she was from Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. It was that stupid cartoon. I couldn't stand it. It was never as good as DuckTales. It wasn't as good as Gummy Bears. It wasn't as good as Tailspin. Those are all such classic, classic Disney cartoons. I didn't like Darkwing Duck. I didn't like uh, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. But out of all of those series, I would have to say that, yes, Gadget probably is the sexiest out of all the characters in those shows. Scrooge McDuck could pull off a, a, you know, he was a little sexy, sexy little duck man. But, you know, playing it straight, it's Gadget. So I can understand why out of all of them you'd pick her. But anyways, there's all these photos of a bunch of Slavic people, a bunch of Russians, Eastern Europeans is probably a more appropriate term, standing around pictures of Gadget Hackwrench. 
multiple photos of this. Some of them are marching down the street carrying a banner with her. Some of them are having some sort of meal, and there's like a big picture of Gadget standing there. There is nothing backing any of this up. The photos, this is what's so bizarre. The photos are most likely real, but every article I found regarding this group was all speculation. They're like, here's this group. They worship Gadget Hackwrench, but there's no specifics. There's no like, this is the founder of the group. This is the city that they're in. This is when these photos were taken. There, The information was all over the place. Some of them said, oh no, here's like the Ten Commandments of Gadget Hackwrench. Here's like, she's supposed to be the the Christ figure, and then and then some ugly fat mouse, some bad guy mouse, like, oh no, fat cat, fat cat, who was also in Rescue Rangers, represents like the Antichrist. But like, here, here's a quote. There were even plans for erecting the Temple of Gadget, which was supposed to look like a hexagonal pole in the form of a nut up to 20 meters high. Alas, this idea required a lot of money, so the cult followers had to abandon it. There's no proof of that at all. All of these quotes, they're not actually given any attribution. They call her supposedly Gadget Lightbringer, but it's almost like these photos popped up and then there was a backstory created for them. One of the websites mentioned that this was set up on a website called the fandom.com. Fandom.com, which is basically a collection of fandoms. So I joined Thanks is Special because it linked to my Facebook profile, so my photos on this website now. I joined it and I joined specifically the uh, fandom for uh, Chimadale's Rescue Rangers. There wasn't one specifically for Gadget. They only had 12 members. 58% of them were from Russia because it shows a little like demographic geography map thingy, which shows where people are. And yeah, my photo, my photo is linked to that. I'm now the 13th member of this Chippendale Rescue Ranger group on the fandom. But for all the photos and all of the publicity this thing has gotten, you'd think there would almost even be more people like me who are joining just to see what the hullabaloo was all about. There's nothing. I think that the photos are most likely real, but I think the backstory is made up. We've seen, you know, a good example of that, we did a photo about the the falling man. There's that famous photo of, like, the ghost falling into frame of the old family. Turned out to be a hoax, but had an elaborate backstory written about that photo. None of it was true. None of it was true. A lot of the details of, like, what the ghost was doing, it was all made up, and I think that's what we're looking at here. But... I did know there was a kernel or a nut of truth regarding this. Because before I went on 4chan, long, 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 long time ago, back in like 2008, 2007, I discovered a website called Encyclopedia Dramatica, and they basically profile, they're kind of like the old version of Kiwi Farms, which is, they profile all the weird people on the internet. And Encyclopedia Dramatica had a very, very detailed article about a group of people who loved the Rescue Rangers so much that one of them would draw perverted cartoons where him and Gadget Hackwrench are banging. He's a normal human-sized guy, and it's still a little cartoon mouse. Very, very bizarre. He was also 56 in 2007, so he was much older. He wasn't like, I'm sure a lot of these guys who fantasize about banging this mouse grew up watching Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, but he would have been in his 30s when that show came on, so quite odd. And he was a big member of a website called the acorn um what was it called the acorn cafe acorn cafe i went there too so this website was super active back in 2008 as of today still in operation 
the last last forum post was May 10th, 2019, when I was researching the story, which was about two weeks ago. So it's still very active. There are people out there who love the Rescue Rangers so much, they're still talking about it. The show sucked. She was, yes, top tier of a bunch of unsexy ducks and uh, orangutans and stuff like that. Fine, sure. But that's a long time to be talking about it. People have their passion. I will say this. They, they did talk about going to a Discord, so I'm sure a lot of the other boards on this Acorn Cafe are now just underground. They're inaccessible to us. But there's still something so... And I've used this term a couple times regarding websites. There's something still so charming about forums, little animated GIFs, little like emoticons like dancing around as you're trying to read stuff. I love that stuff. I love old internet. I really do. It just definitely has a different feel to it. So, is there a Russian cult that worships gadget hack wrench? Most likely not. Is there a subculture of people around the world that still worship gadget hack wrench? I believe so. I think they know better than to be photographed doing it, but I could be wrong. The photos could be real. The photos could be members of the Acorn Cafe finally out and about in their pride, their love of this cartoon mouse. But the idea of them thinking that Gadget is some sort of Christ figure, they're going to build a giant nut, a bit, a giant like uh, screw nut. I think all that stuff is backstory that's been made up. But still, subcultures fascinate me. I'm sure the writers of that show are, would, are, I'm sure they know about it. I'm sure they're totally shocked. I watched a documentary on My Little Pony, like behind the scenes, My Little Pony stuff. And you could tell it really took them, it really kind of shocked them the type of fan base that they had. But I mean, what are you going to do? You can't pick your fans. You can't pick your fans. I pick fans who make me register on a Chippendale Rescue Ranger forum, at which now my Facebook photo is assigned to it. Those are my fans. No one's building giant statues of me that I know of. Maybe you are. Maybe you will. Maybe I will be the leader of my own subculture. Who knows? Most likely not. And if I am, don't draw cartoons of you banging me because that is a line too far. Let's go, unless I'm mouse-sized because then it's just kind of funny. Don't do it, actually. No, 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 even if I'm mouse-sized. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story also is a subculture. Now, I always find this fascinating when groups splinter, you ha- and it happens a lot in the paranormal world. So you have people who believe in aliens. Most people, if you ask people, do you believe in aliens? The general answer is yes, but I don't think they visit Earth. They go, yeah, I believe in aliens. Statistically, there's probably aliens. I just don't believe they visit Earth. And I think that's the most common. There's very few people who go, no. We're the only life form in the universe that has any sort of intelligence. Or Earth is the only planet that has intelligence. Or not even intelligence. Like, people will go, yeah, I believe in aliens, but they're probably like microbes a thousand light years away. And you'd be like, yeah, I mean, that's an alien. Kind of lame alien, but it's an alien nonetheless. So that's what most people say. And then you have a subgroup of that who say, yes, aliens are real and they visit Earth. And then you start to splinter underneath that. Some of them say aliens are here and they're a bunch of hippies. And they're trying to prevent climate change. Some of them say, yes, aliens are here and they're shape-shifting reptilians and they're evil. Some people say aliens are interdimensional. Some people say aliens are demons. So you it's you have, and they're all related to that first branch of people saying, yes, I believe in aliens. And then you see all these splinters. Now, we've covered people who believe aliens are demons. We've covered interdimensional aliens, kind of. Not as much as I want to, but that's a really broad topic. 
uh, reptilians, we cover a lot of stuff like that. But there's a certain subgroup that we've never actually really covered, and that is aliens or UFOs themselves are alive. That UFOs are a living organism. And within that group, because that's a sizable amount of people who believe that, probably like two, three hundred thousand. Within that group, there is a more specific breakdown. I find all this stuff fascinating. There's even a more specific breakdown that says some UFOs are UFOs, but some UFOs are sky jellyfishes. Jellyfi? No, it'd be jellyfishes because you say that you sleep with the fishes. You don't go, you sleep with the fies. Sky jellyfishes. What's interesting about this phenomenon is there's a lot of people who believe in it, and the answer is set up so plainly that I found the answer within maybe 20, 30 minutes of researching this. So what I do is I type in the term and start reading articles and clicking around. When you type in sky jellyfish, you're going to get a lot of articles about the phenomenon. And then you'll get one or two articles that are that use that term. That use that term. And you go, hmm, I'll open that in another window and I'll get to that in a second. So sky jellyfishes, we have the first sighting. So, you know, people say, you know, the first sighting of UFOs was, I think, over Mount... Adams or Mount Shasta was an airline pilot or was a fighter jet pilot in the 1940s or something like that. They go, that's the first modern UFO sighting. But then you go, oh, no, they're flying around Germany back in the 1400s and all that stuff. So we know the first sighting of a sky jellyfish. And really, a sky jellyfish is exactly what it sounds like. It looks like a big translucent jellyfish floating around. Very, very obvious. If you've never seen a jellyfish before, it looks like a snot with legs just kind of floating flown around. So that's what it looks like in the sky. It looks like it just looks like a big translucent thing because there's photos of this thing. First sighting, it was in 1974 in the Netherlands. And they've been seen for decades since. They're still seen today, but they're not as common as people see UFOs. So that's why people who believe in sky jellyfishes don't believe it sounds so weird, jellyfishes. People who believe in sky jellyfishes, because they're not very common, they also will say, yes, UFOs are real. That's a separate phenomenon. But there are these things called sky jellyfishes. Photographs, tons of photographs of these things. I shouldn't say tons. Tens. Tens of photographs of these things. And really, it was, there's a pioneer in the field of sky jellyfish studies. And his name is Trevor James Constable, which is kind of a dope name. It should actually be reversed. Constable Trevor James. Would it be better? He was a researcher. He wrote about aviation. He was not an idiot. He wasn't like a loon bag. But he ended up coming up with this theory. Actually, he first off started researching Oregon, which is the sexy energy of the universe that makes your pelvis thrust. When, like, you're around it, and they had all these organs. We covered that on another episode, too. That was also related to Sherry Schreiner. Organ and UFOs are usually closely related, and I'm sure the people who really believe in organ hate that, but they are. Anyways, he was researching organ, and Trevor came up with this thing. He started using a camera with ultraviolet lenses and high-speed film. He's trying to capture energy organ. He's trying to capture proof that organ's floating around in the sky. But instead, he captures something else. He begins to take photographs of sky jellyfishes. And that's when he comes to the idea. He actually believed firmly that all UFOs were living organisms. All of them. And sky jellyfishes were, that sounds so weird, were a separate type of organism. He called these things macrobacteria. And some of them are as small as a quarter. Some of them are as big as a half a mile. That seems like such a large range 
that technically anything could be a macrobacteria. I could be a macrobacteria. I'm in between the size of a quarter and a half a mile long. Anyways, so he believes that these things, and he believes that they're invisible to the naked eye, but they can be picked up on radar, and they can be picked up on special types of film. And then you go, wait a second, Jason, if they're invisible to the naked eye, why do people see them? Good question. He never answers that. But anyways, you have to start crafting this. He, he comes out with this theory, and people start believing it. And, you ha- and what's interesting is, you then have to kind of start to th- fill in the blanks. So you may say, hey, listen, I have a photograph of this thing. I think all UFOs are living bacteria. What happens is, you make up this thing, he, and he believes it's true. He doesn't believe it's made up, but you start saying this thing, and then people are going to start taking known UFO phenomenon and asking, how does the jellyfish do that? So the question is, is how does the jelly, how do UFOs are known to just fly around, zip around the sky real quick, and then just disappear? And the answer is, well, sky jellyfish can turn invisible at will. I'm like, oh, I guess that kind of makes sense. And then someone goes, why is it that UFOs are always, <laughs> this is my favorite part. Why is it that UFOs are always seen around cattle mutilations, but you're saying that UFOs are living organisms? And his answer is, oh, good question. Here, let me make something up real quick. He turns around. He's like, I don't know. What am I going to answer? Turns back. He goes, actually, it's a good question. He goes, sky jellyfish eat cows. They they eat them. That's what the the cow mutilations are, is that the jellyfish are eating the cows. People are like, I guess they... This kind of makes sense, but why is it that people, they've just recently been doing cattle mutilations. They haven't been doing cattle mutilations all throughout history. If these things have always been living around in the earth, how come cattle mutilations are only from like the 1970s, 1980s? He turns back around, he's like, oh, I got it, I got it. Radar makes them mad. That's why they eat cows. Because they're mad at the radar, and people are like, uh, I guess that kind of makes sense. You have to fill in those blanks. It's so weird because the theory itself just doesn't hold water. The main things when we think about UFOs is they are metallic. That's kind of hard to be a living organism. But you can say they're just really shiny, hard organisms, maybe like flying turtles. But they're metallic. They give off lots of lights. And you can go, well, jellyfish are translucent. And they have glow-in-the-dark jellyfish. Okay. They're extremely maneuverable, knowing to go faster than our fastest fighter jets, even today. That doesn't wash with any sort of biological entity. They're not cheetahs. And even then, a jet can outrun a cheetah. So they're highly maneuverable. They tend to, like, knock people out, cause lost time, abduct people, take them inside and probe them. Is jellyfish just sticking a little tendril up your butthole? Like, when you really start to ask questions about how these could be real things... It starts to fall apart. But, to his credit, he did explain cattle mutilations. So, what are sky jellyfishes? There are a lot of photos of, again, not a lot. There's like tens of photos of these things. People have seen them both through photographs and with the naked eye. What are these things? Now, a lot of the photographs are fake. Yes, a lot of photographs of every paranormal thing is fake. A lot of photographs on Instagram are fake. Very easy to fake stuff. But what are these? Is there a legitimate reason for the sky jellyfish? There's a sky jellyfish that was reported recently up in the sky. People looked up. They saw a jellyfish-shaped creature in the sky. Here's a quote from an article regarding that sighting. According to Jonathan McDowell at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics in Cambridge, Massachusetts, this is just one of many spectacular formations this kind of rocket can make 
as the core stage rocket plume balloons out in the thin air high in the atmosphere. The cross at the top of the formation was made by the Suez 4 boosters. It looks so interesting because we're not used to seeing gas dynamics in a near vacuum. At that altitude, there's not really any weather to interfere with the gases. So the gases form very regular formations and take up a lot of space, says McDowell. So this photograph that showed, yes, a jellyfish-like cloud floating way up in the sky was caused by a rocket. All the boosters coming off. And it was so high up where the atmosphere was so much thinner, the the smoke and the exhaust and everything had a lot of places to expand. So it made this weird shape. That's why they weren't seen before 1974. Because we weren't using that type of rocket with that type of booster that high up. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. If we were seeing jellyfish, if they could go back to the 1400s like other UFOs, you see them in the sky. Sure. But the fact that they happened in 1974, long after we're sending people to the moon, maybe not long after, five years after we're sending people to the moon, we're shooting rockets up, we're shooting satellites up, it makes sense, one, that they happened after the space race. Two, that they're not seen very commonly because rockets, it, it takes the perfect blend of the right type of rocket popping off in the right type of way in the right level of the atmosphere. But when it does, you will see a giant jellyfish appear. An easy answer to a question nobody really asked. The question was, what's that in the sky? Now, maybe him with his infrared high-speed camera, he was picking up a more detailed vision, a detailed picture of what was up there. And then worked backwards and created a story based on the photographs he had And the reason why I like these two stories being together is that's really what the gadget cult thing is. People see these photos online and they made up a story to explain the photos. Rather than trying to track down and interview the people in the photos, which may be hard, may be impossible. And someone may have and they go, oh, we're just joking around. One of our friends really likes stupid cartoons and we made him stand in front of a poster of it. Could be a legit cult. We know there are people who like the Rescue Rangers. But this whole backstory about Gadget being a Christ-like figure, I believe that part is made up. I think people are just masturbating to pictures of a cartoon mouse. The bigger the picture, the better. I think that's what's going on here. Not the masturbating of the jellyfish, but I think someone came up with photographs, someone photographed a phenomenon and then worked backwards and created this whole backstory to these things. They're called Amoeba Constabula, which is actually named after himself. Not like Constellation. I think it's like Constable, like his name. Macro, macro bacteria and all this stuff. Was capturing this phenomenon, this explained phenomenon. If you've asked the right person the right questions, they could have said, oh yeah, it was on that date. That was because it was this rocket boost. This rocket booster coming apart. You want to know what is funny though? Is that even though there's a rational explanation for the sky jellyfish phenomenon, I think the idea that UFOs are alive is actually far more logical than them coming from another planet. I think the distances are far too vast. I've always thought that aliens are from another dimension or from here. They live under the ground or under the water or something like that. And I mean, those are, you could go, Jason, those are both <laughs> completely ludicrous. But I think the only reason why people believe aliens are from another planet is because that's what sci-fi tells us. If Jules Verne... If H.G. Wells were like, oh, these aliens popped out of a rift 
underneath the Earth, and they came up in these UFOs, I think people would assume that aliens, it would just be baked in with the mythology. I think if Star Trek was about a ship that went to other dimensions instead of other planets, today when people saw UFOs, they'd be like, oh, they must be from other dimensions. But So I think that the, the idea that aliens come from other planets, it's just baked into the mythology that we're taught, so we accept that. Coming from another planet really is no more ludicrous than if they're already here or they're from another dimension, or that it's just a living form that we can't identify in the sky. Some... I, I don't know if they're giant amoebas. I'm not saying that. I actually, I don't, I'm not saying I believe it at all, but I'm saying it is actually more logical to believe it is some sort of life form that exists on the planet Earth rather than it flying hundreds of thousands of millions of light years or whatever it is to get here. For what? To land on our crops and draw faces? And, and it doesn't make any sense. The idea of an amoeba getting mad at radar, messing up his brain, eating a cow is just is actually more plausible than aliens abducting cows with sci-fi technology and then just dumping the carcass like a bunch of hillbillies. doesn't make sense. But it's funny because we do have to look at, when you look at this weird, high strangeness, when we look at this weird stuff, we have to go, what's the most logical answer? And luckily for these guys, a jellyfish floating around in the sky that eats cows that sometimes can be seen and sometimes cannot be seen, makes more sense than having to create a civilization that could create interstellar travel that has the fuel to go interstellar lengths, that can live long enough to do that, that can't be spotted approaching Earth, and da 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 That's what I mean about subcultures. When I talked early on and I was listing all of them, everyone has legitimate reasons to believe or not believe in a particular subculture. I don't believe in alien reptiles because I don't see world leaders laying on rocks to regulate their body temperature. I don't find eggs everywhere, so I don't believe in shape-shifting reptilians. I think that's stupid. But I honestly think sky jellyfish is more logical than that, than the reptilians. But So everyone has their own reason to believe and not believe. And it's this weird thing that because everyone is locked into their own subculture, they're not opening themselves up to other things that may be true. I actually, this is a new ending for this episode. I originally ended it where I went on this big thing about mythology and myth-making and stuff like that. And I started making dinner and I thought, you know what? I actually think that this is plausible. I was thinking... I'm too smart to believe in sky jellyfish. These guys are stupid. But the more I thought about it, as I was making dinner, I thought, why? Why couldn't they be big old jellyfish rolling around in the sky? Maybe the rockets are another thing. Maybe they both exist. Maybe the rockets are a cover-up. I don't know. But there's a lot of stuff I don't know. I don't know if the gadget cult is real. I don't know if there's a bunch of macrobacteria floating around in the sky. But... I do know that 99% of the stuff that I look into is absolutely ridiculous. And so when I find something that is slightly, kind of makes me second-guess myself while I'm cooking dinner, I think, that one might be true. Probably not, but might be. So does that mean we should stop using radar? No. Does that mean the next time a cow mutilation happens, you should think, hmm... Maybe a jellyfish got it. Maybe. But I definitely would think twice before lambasting a theory that sounds completely ridiculous and can almost be proven on its face to be wrong. Because for all we know, we are the macrobacteria. Humanity is just a small piece of a big puzzle. And when you're a small piece 
of a big puzzle, you can't see the whole picture that it paints. You only see the little tiny piece that you are in the entire mosaic of reality. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.